0: Alright, so uh, Anthony wanted to hear what we have in store for some of these deeper dives into these films, and we've already gone into, you know, some deep-ish dives with some of the discussions of the Santa movies and the Scrooge movies, but you know, it it just wouldn't be the Gargoyle podcast without, like, a straight-up, full-on movie review. So let's dive in to a review of one of the best Christmas movies, and definitely one of the best christmas horror movies let's go into a review of black christmas with yet another guest because we are just awash with guests at this point they were all backing up outside and we had to have them stand out in the cold and just bring them in one by one uh let's let's dive in to a review of black christmas with
1: eric Pennykoff. Hey guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, So we met Eric at the Knoxville Horror Film Festival after the world, the world premiere of his film, Sadistic Intentions. And it was amazing. And we became instant fans and then started stalking him a little bit. Exactly. Yep. Yeah,
1: it was awesome. Yeah, it's great meeting you guys. It was a blast.
2: (laughs) And the movie's fantastic, by the way. I really, really immensely enjoyed Sadistic Intentions. I can't wait for more people to be able to see it.
1: I know, man. Some uh, some cool stuff coming up soon. Hopefully we can announce. Uh,
0: Yeah. How's how's that been going? It's been playing at a lot of festivals, hasn't it? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, we did those and then we just, you know, we we hit festivals at the very tail end of the year. And then we are the rest of the ones that were submitted for don't start pretty much until January. There's, you know, very few festivals that go on in the month of December. Um, So we have some stuff that we are kind of soon announce here for the spring
0: nice so anyone out there who uh who is anywhere around a festival where sadistic intentions is going to be playing make sure you check it out it is an awesome film and uh if you want to hear our thoughts on it go back and listen to the knoxville horror film festival episodes and our interviews with eric um so yes eric thank you so much for joining us for our christmas spec the adequate it's an okay episode um (laughs) as we go through and talk about black christmas um so so yeah, what what prior information do you have about Black Christmas? You know, like how many times have you seen it? When did you first see it? You know, stuff like that.
1: I love this movie. It's definitely, I think, top three horror films of all time. Um, it's the movie that I love year-round, but I always, of course, revisit it this time of year and just, you know, love so much about it and think about it so often, but I'm always trying to figure out, like, what is it that makes this fucking movie so great? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot you can tap into, but it's one of those few movies that just feels like there is some sort of magic still at play that you can't quite uh, you know decode why it works so well but I will say uh, having just picked up the collector's edition Blu-ray from Scream Factory after all these years of it being out so the first time I've seen it look this good and I have seen a print once before 35 uh, that had a little bit of color issues in a couple spots uh, but it's still a great experience. This Blu-ray looks incredible though and one of the first things I noticed with this transfer is Margot Kidder's Choker necklace, the sort of handkerchief uh, pseudo choker type thing she has has a little medallion on it with the word "yes." Huh. Which I never I never noticed until this transfer. I have a DVD copy. It's not a bad DVD copy, but that uh, medallion just always looked like a flat round medallion. I never knew until this that it had the word "yes" on it.
0: Well, and like I wonder if that had anything to do with the character because, like in uh, in House of the Devil, the uh, the brooch. That the old woman is wearing, like it's a little, a little like goat head demon skull thing. That it's so minor and it's so not highlighted, but it tells you so much about the character. And and I wonder if that was the same thing with her character.
1: I, I think it definitely means something. I mean, uh, her character is definitely the most sexually progressive and the most raunchy at times. Uh, I I just think that the the time that this movie was made was so perfect and you know coming off. The heels of a couple other really great Bob Clark movies and really setting off the slosh the slasher genre. Uh, it just has so much going for it, and I, I think there's there's those there's those little things speckled throughout, uh, like the yes medallion and other details of the movie that definitely have little meanings here and there.
0: Well, and like one of the things that I love so much about this movie is even though it was early seventies slasher horror about a. A guy making obscene phone calls in a sorority house—like it is not sexualized, you know. Like you don't watch it and be like, "Hey, there's some TNA thrown in just cause," you know. It's a very weird mix of—it's not trying to titillate while it's showing these characters and like you you know who they are without having to to see like a shower scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. This movie is fascinating. It's one of the few movies that I can think of off the top of my head that is independently a comedy and independently a horror movie. And I mean that as it's not a horror comedy in the sense that maybe, for example, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is where the comedy is in the kill. It's it's constantly weaving throughout. This movie is great because you have these terrifying scenes. I mean, still some of the most haunting imagery committed to celluloid, in my opinion. And then you just have these great scenes where you're just laughing with the cops and you sort of forget that, you're in a horror movie at all, so when it cuts back, it's like, "Oh Jesus Christ, I forgot." It's a, it's a very, it's a very odd, it's a very odd feeling it gives you, but it works so well. Like the horror and the comedy, they do not step on each other's toes at all. They, they work perfectly in tandem, and just it's it's one of the few movies I can think of that really nails a uh, an independent comedy and an independent horror film at the same time. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think the the comedy really kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. And not only the comedy but the the setting as well. Like I think that's kind of the reason why this movie works as well as it does is because it is set at Christmas and it does like occasionally like especially during the comedy bits like you can still tell it's Christmas and it makes you like feel like oh okay, I'm I'm comfortable now. And then it makes you feel uncomfortable immediately after that <laughs> and it's just a gosh this movie this is the first time i've ever seen it actually um and i was i knew bob clark directed a christmas story so i was expecting something a little bit more like that but maybe with more of a slasher edge to it and man i did not expect this movie to be as disturbing as it is in certain scenes
0: yeah well I'm like i've only seen it this is only my second or third time seeing it i think um so yeah like i don't have nearly as much backstory with it either but the first time i saw it i was like oh my god i love this movie so much and i don't think that i knew until after the fact that it was directed by bob clark and so i think that the first time that i was watching it i was able to watch it a lot um a lot less tainted you know like i didn't Mm. really have a whole lot going into it but this time there. There weren't as many scares going into it because I didn't uh, know what to expect. I did know, um, you know, what you saw with the killer and what you didn't see, but the rather than being scared, I was just creeped out so much because I knew what it was that I was about to see. And yeah, man, this movie is—it's—it's just—it's great. Um, this is one of those movies that I feel like knowing more about it potentially could have an impact on like making it less enjoyable. Uh, for instance, if it's overhyped or if someone tells you what happens at the end, but also, also I don't think so. You know, like it's just so well done that even if you know what happens, I th- still think that you can enjoy that journey, which is why, you know, you can watch it over and over and not get sick of it. I
1: think. And the the fascinating part about the journey uh, sort of speaking about how you know, it is this funny thing independently and then it's this frightening thing independently is that, you know, a a different version of this movie could be where it's just funny the entire way through and then it rips the rug out from underneath you and then it's just scary. But this movie starts off letting you know, this is scary. Like the entire plot of this movie hinges on the death of a girl that happens right away and then they never find her. Yeah. When, the, when, the, when the movie is over the entire film hinges on a death of a girl that is never discovered even when the film S- ends spoilers I mean, by the way about, yeah, we're, we're talking <laughs> about the ending here but I, I think it's important to the context that that lives in is just terrifying it, it's, it's sort of the most hopeless film in many ways it's, it's an, enti- an extremely hopeless horror film
0: yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about some of the technical stuff, because I think there's a lot to get into with it. Uh, and there are there are going to be spoilers. I mean, this movie is 44 years old at this point. Dear Lord, is it seriously 44 yeah, years old? It is.
1: I, I do not believe that this movie it, it can be spoiled, though. Oh, I, I think can. I think that you could tell someone step by step what happens in this film, and it's still going to be an entirely different experience watching it.
2: Uh, yeah I think it I think it works either way like I didn't actually I didn't know the end of the movie going into it so it did have me kind of guessing but at the same time I wasn't necessarily surprised by the ending like I mean it kind of ended I mean we all kind of know how horror movies work like it almost all horror movies have that little twist at the end like it makes you feel it's like all right okay everything's good everything's safe we got the bad guy we're good now and I then it pulls the rug out from under you.
0: If you're like, oh, everything's supposed to be good at the end. Well, no, I mean, I'm just
2: saying, like, with a lot of... uh, Well, let's say slasher films in particular. Uh Usually, there's the scene at the end where, like, okay, this is the final girl. She's safe now. She's out of the situation. And then you get, like, that one last little sting at the end where it's like, oh, it's not really over. There's more more to that happens after the credits roll right Right. that right. kind of lets you walk out of the theater like shocked and disturbed
0: i, I thought that you were saying that horror <coughs> movies are supposed to like have that happy ending no get no 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 end. no
2: not necessarily no like the the movie gets you in the end by making gotcha. you feel like oh everything's okay now um but yeah i mean i still think that what's it's not necessarily a shocking ending or anything like you can kind of see it coming but it's just a creepy ending like it is so unnerving the end of the really like the whole movie all of the horror in this movie works so well because it's it's kind of ambiguous throughout like it's not very overt it's not super violent or graphic in most scenes it's it leaves most of what what's happening to your imagination like you hear a lot of things but you don't see it and so like just imagining what's actually happening to these characters is what is terrifying about the movie i think
1: yeah yeah well the the score too i mean it's it's such a minimal score and it really relies heavily on just Christmas music mixed so low and it's so low in the mix. Some of these Christmas songs that you don't even notice them after a while. Yeah. Uh, and then it, I so I really enjoy sort of the the open air of the movie.
0: Yeah. And then like some of the stuff that is scored, um, you know, there's a lot of violins and a lot of very orchestral music. So it fits in with that just a uh, classic Christmas music style but it's so frenetic and like there's one part in particular where i think it's a violin i don't know but it it sounds more just like a cat going to town on it where (laughs) it's just like all over the place and it doesn't last for very long so it's not like a prolonged here we're going to shove this in your face it's just a quick little like oh wait what Huh? Why do I feel uneasy now? Yeah, that's And exactly a lot it. of it was because of the music.
2: Yeah, it's it feels like holiday music, but there's just something slightly off about it that that really like makes you feel uneasy. Yeah,
1: and there's there's a very there's such a, a well done trick in this movie for them to make you believe or want you to believe that her boyfriend is the one making the calls. You know, the the, the crazed piano player is that you know he's. I don't know if he's supposed to be good at piano during his rehearsal or his audition <laughs> because, to, because to me, it sounds like total garbage, but then I yeah. also, you know, I know so, a little bit about classical music, but I'm not an aficionado, but definitely when he goes to destroy his piano, when he hits it with the mic stand, I know from hearing that that's basically how they created the score. And if you listen to the sounds that he's making, it creates the score that you've already heard for, you know, 45 minutes before this throughout the movie. So it's like, He is actually making the score to the movie, which is another way that ties him interestingly to this theory that they push—that he's the one, uh, you know, creeping on his girlfriend. And of course, the you you know the abortion topic and everything there is another another facet of sort of pushing the audience against this guy. Um, But it's yeah, I I always thought it was fascinating that the score, which we've heard before that scene, then ties to him.
0: Yeah. Well, and like the first time that I watched it, and even this. Okay, not so much this time because I knew that he wasn't. But the first time that I saw it, I never felt like he was the killer, I, and I, I don't know why. I don't know.
1: If- it's, I think it's because when we've seen, you know, we're we're a little cu- accustomed to that trick of trying yeah. to get the right. I think when it when it came out, people probably were were, pu- were pushing heavy for him just because they had nothing else to go on.
2: Well, and it's one of those things they never too. Had anything to go on, it's one of those things. As I was watching the movie, especially there at the end, whenever. Um, uh, what's it? Jess, is that yeah. her name? She's in the basement and he's like kicking in the window to go in there. It's like, okay, this is not something a normal human would do. Like, why is he kicking in the window? Like, maybe he exactly. is the killer. So like, <laughs> even though I'm pretty perceptive on that stuff, like, I, I assumed that in that scene, like, the killer was going to come up behind him and murder him and be like, oh, okay, so he's definitely not the killer. But at the same time, I was sitting there questioning myself. I'm like, maybe he is. Like, maybe they're trying to make it obvious because we'll assume that he's not the killer and then they just make him the killer. So yeah. I still think that it works pretty well. Like I didn't think that he was the killer, but I did have a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind
0: as I was watching it. Like, okay, maybe well. And like, I didn't even think about in uh Eric until you were just talking about this with mm-hmm. part of the score was, you know, like smashing the piano that that is probably the thing that would make me think that it was him the most because of the music that is being played with a killer and, and this is one of the things that I love about analyzing movies so much and, like, why the discussion of it is half the fun for me. You know, I, I did not think about that until it was mentioned just now. I'm like, oh, holy crap. That actually, if I had caught that when I was watching it, yeah. would have made it a much stronger, like, okay, I think that it could be him because of using those musical cues, you know, mm-hmm. like
1: and that, that's just Bob Clark being a subversive filmmaker. I mean, all the way from his first film Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things all the way, even through the end when he got into Porky's and some of the just like crazier shit. I mean, his entire career has been just total subversion of anything that people thought he would do or maybe should do. And I think there's also that within the film itself. Um, he, he just really tapped in on how to just freak you the fuck out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and oh my God, he exceeded uh, or succeeded rather. Um, One of the things that makes this movie so creepy for me is the fact that the killer is in POV. So you see what the killer sees rather than seeing the killer. And the first time that I watched it, there was a little bit of that like, oh no, is something going to jump out the shadows? What's going to happen? But it doesn't take long into the movie before you realize, no, that's not going to happen. But especially on a rewatch, it's just like, I, I don't have that anticipation of what's going to jump out and shock me. But the entire time that I was watching it, just I, I felt like there was someone behind me because it's like, man, they have no idea that he is just right there and doing all yeah. of those things. And even though I was watching it with the wall, like right behind me, and it, it was <laughs> like, it's still, it, still turning around. And- yeah. Or is like, is someone hiding in the air vent or, like, it just made me feel so uneasy the entire time. And yeah. I I love that about a horror movie. Horror movies are not supposed to make you feel safe. They're supposed to give you that sense of, God, what could happen next?
2: Yeah, it evokes the same feelings that you get when you want, when I, or at least that I got when I watched Halloween for the first time. And it was interesting, too, because I, this is another one of my embarrassing blind spots. <laughs> I watched Halloween for the first time this year. Um, and I was like, man, I was just totally blown away by like some of the POV shots and stuff. And then I watched Black Christmas and I'm like, oh, this is five years prior for four years prior, I think, to uh, to Halloween. So like it was interesting to see how Carpenter took a lot of he's obviously very inspired by by Black Christmas in a lot of ways.
1: But even like Halloween, a movie that ends with, you know, the killer getting away, there's still some sense of hope in that movie. Yeah. I feel like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the you know if Black Christmas is the one that set off the craze, I feel like people watched it and they said, OK, there's a great foundation here. But Jesus Christ, we got yeah. a, <laughs> a little less, a little less hopeless and dismal than this, which is why I love this film, because it, it set off a craze. But still, no one had the guts to make something that was just so. In black
2: and, yeah and i find it interesting too because it is still a christmas movie and you know typically with christmas movies there is going to be even if it's a christmas horror movie i feel like a lot of them will still kind of give you that little bit like we talked about krampus last week and i think with krampus even though it's horrifying there's still a little bit at the end where it's like okay well maybe things are going to work out okay maybe they're getting their christmas spirit back with this movie nope. it is just totally <laughs> hopeless i love the way that he plays with with the setting with everything being at Christmas, especially like, it's just such an interesting dichotomy between like, Oh, it's everybody's like happy and joyous. And then there's just this, this killer who's running around and taking advantage of it. And the best example of that is in uh, Margo Kidder's spoiler alert death scene. (laughs) Um, Man, the way that the editing in that scene is so phenomenal. And the way that it keeps cutting back and forth between the carolers and her getting stabbed with like the, the ice pick the, the, and
1: it's not, the unicorn it's the, like it's, glass yeah, That's unicorn. what it was it's a, unicorn, yeah. it's, a, it's a crystal unicorn it looks yeah. great on the blu-ray you know to, to, to plug this blu-ray <laughs> like, gosh, yeah. I bet. That, 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 that scene in particular which has it's very very high contrast so mm. on any sort of a, a, a rough dvd or any even like a vhs copy that scene would look like mashed potatoes um but on this blu-ray that that shot in particular is just gorgeous i can't imagine the the time that went into composing that it really feels like something out of an italian or
2: yeah that's exactly what i was thinking when i watched it and it's just it's it's so beautiful and so off-putting at the same time it's like i want to watch it because it's just so elegantly framed and cut together but at the same time i'm like god it's so and the great thing too is i mean it's it's bloody but at the same time it's not gory it's not overly violent and that makes it worse for again i mentioned that earlier but that makes it worse for me like just trying to imagine what he's actually doing to her with that thing and the fact that it goes on for so long
0: well and like the ugh as violent as this movie feels there really aren't that many kills like there's only one it's like an eight body count is eight three
1: including the girl in the park yeah including the off-screen death which is who we assume who we assume he killed first before he made the first phone call because you know that that's the that's the thing about the phone calls he always calls after he kills someone so that's that's how you know that during the end credits when you hear the phone very quietly that just just got killed in the house. Yeah, that's exactly. Not only did, did we not find the first body, we just lost the lead to the movie.
0: Yeah, we lost the credits. final girl.
1: Well, we, and, we, we we lost the final girl during the credits.
0: Yeah, and like they do that so so masterfully because like everyone thinks they have the right guy. Like. All the stuff pointed to him, and so, like, there was no sense of, well, what if he's still out there? I mean, even comparing it back to Halloween, you know that Michael Myers was the killer. You know that he was the shape. You know that's what was going on. Even though he escaped, like, you still know, okay, that's who they were looking for. Like, there were people hmm. out there who still knew, well, crap, the threat's still out there. But, yeah, with Black Christmas, it, it just oh god the, the ending is just so bleak and you yeah. know that he's going to keep doing that and that he's going to end up turning into uh, into maniac like that that's all <laughs> that i could think of when i was watching it yeah. i was like this is the maniac prequel
1: best case scenario he grows up to be like joe spinel yeah, yeah
2: exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking too and man that final shot too is so slow that like it's what since this is the first time i watched it i kept expecting like somebody like i kept expecting a sting like somebody to jump out there toward the end but it doesn't happen and i hate that because it denies you the release that you are like it builds all this tension and then you don't get that big release at the end at all like it's just
1: nope well yeah movies that don't end will always stick with you that's that's the best thing you can do with a horror movie is just say no this movie doesn't end the credits may roll or the scene may come to a close but the story's not over
0: yeah well, especially because so many people just turn the movie off during the credits. Like, credits start rolling, okay, turn it off. Oh, no, or now Netflix, through the whole or Netflix does it for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you do that, you miss the phone call. And so, like, if you turn it off before the credits really start rolling, you don't know that Jess didn't make it. And yeah. God, this movie's so good. It's a, hope,
1: it so it's a hopeless movie, but it's, it's just so, it's such a great film in the context of Bob Clark, too. I mean, I've, I've been thinking, you know, who was it, uh, TNT or TBS that always ran twenty four hours of a Christmas story? Yeah. I don't know. Has Shutter been running Black Christmas for twenty four hours oh, on Shutter TV?
2: That's a great idea. I bet they will. I bet they, they will. Sh- I
1: mean, this movie's been yeah, out yeah. for a little while, and I don't uh, the the Shutter TV function, which is just like a stream of whatever they curate. I love that. They absolutely yeah. should be running Black Christmas twenty four hours. Shutter, uh,
0: you totally need to start doing that. Let, let's let's make that happen. I think that I think that we can do that. Just uh, get on a campaign and, and we can uh, tweet out to what Zimmerman.
2: Is that it Sam Zimmerman? Yeah, I don't tweet like out him. to him.
1: I'm also hoping, um, you know I don't know if you watched the Joe Bob Dinners of Death yet, but he's coming back. He's coming back to do a Christmas one, and uh, he gave a really, really great, impassioned uh, seminar basically on Toby Hooper because they screened Chainsaw for the dinners of death. And it was great. It brought a fucking tear to my eye for sure. And I'm hoping really, really hoping for, uh, for the Christmas one that they do, that they're going to do black Christmas, not only because I would love to hear Joe Bob talk about this film, but also, um, I feel like many of the same things could be said about Toby Hooper for Bob Clark as someone who, shaped the greater foundation. Uh, you know, Chainsaw was the year before this 73, I believe. And that even right before that 72 is a Bob Clark film that not many people talk about called death dream, which also has a little bit of POV work in it too. So this is not Bob Clark's first POV thing. I know there's, I love, there's a, a ton of films that were sort of playing with it a little bit. I'm pretty sure, to my knowledge, Peeping Tom was the first one.
2: Yeah, like Peeping Tom and, and, like, and Psycho were kind of there.
1: Yeah, the, the, so yeah, if it, if it went from Peeping Tom to Psycho, I mean, you know, you get into like 71 when they shot Death Dream, there's, there's some great POV killer work. I mean, you meet the killer later on in that movie, but he's introduced uh, exactly the same way that he introduces Billy with Black Christmas and then subsequently sticks with him.
0: Hmm. Man, speaking of Billy... God, that character is so creepy and disturbing, and the the scene. I mean, you know, it's the it's an iconic one that anyone who is even familiar with Black Christmas knows of, but it still haunts me. It is the eye uh, behind yeah. the crack in the door?
1: Oh it doesn't look, it doesn't look real. I, I watched that shot continuously and it just doesn't look like it doesn't look like it was shot on film. It doesn't look like it was shot on digital. It looked like a goddamn crack opened up in my TV screen and there's just a guy's eye right there. I don't know there's something about that shot. It almost feels like like HDR or just like super over lit shot it on film and then brought it down and post I don't know how they did that, but that shot. It, it doesn't look like anything else in the movie.
2: Yeah, it's well, so like, terrifying.
0: I, I don't know if he's uh, wearing a contact or it's just like how the lighting was, but it's kind of like you see a second iris inside of his eye
1: because you're They're just like it's definitely a diopter of some sort to magnify mm-hmm. it in like that and kind of like keep the, the edges little a little hazy there. Um, yeah,
0: but it. Kind of oh my strong. god, it was disturbing.
2: Yeah, and also I was reading about it after I watched the movie, and even Bob Clark, like he can't remember who was actually in that shot like he, he said that he couldn't remember who actually was like the stand in to do the eye scene so like i feel like that even makes it creepier it's like we don't even know what actor or who <laughs> it was like it's almost like he's he's just not willing to admit that they didn't actually use a human or so i don't know it's just weird like there's just something about it that does seem inhuman
1: yeah i mean even you know you, you never see bill you get that one little little bit of splash on his face when he's holding the hook up before he swings it down. And that's like, you know, the clearest you'll ever see him. But even that shot, it's just, it doesn't look like a person. I don't know. Something about the photography of that attic where nothing really feels real. I mean, her with the plastic is just haunting beyond words. Uh, the f-ing bird cage that he just whacks at in a fit of rage and nothing, nothing in that attic feels real to me. It's it, it scares me every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, someone needs to make a, a haunted house just based off of the uh, the attic and black Christmas. <laughs> that's, a, uh, yeah, that's terrifying.
1: Yeah. I mean, also speaking of uh, if we're talking about her in the attic with the, the plastic on her face, I upon watching it this last time just realize how powerful and hilarious in the deepest, darkest way on Bob Clark's behalf is the idea of showing her rocking back and forth, and then it cross-dissolves to the church the next day. Camera pans down. You're on the college. Maybe it's not a church. It's a building of some sort. All in the same shot to her dad, who's (laughs) looking for his daughter, walking back and forth, looking anxious. A bus passes by. We get close on his face, and then he gets hit with a goddamn snowball. I mean, if that's not Bob Clark to a T (laughs) right there, the most dismal, scary thing, and then he's going to pull some fucking Three Stooges shit and just hit someone with a snowball... It's yeah, like, no, no. that moves like that just it sums up the film so well, and just Bob Clark as a filmmaker in, in general.
2: And it just feels like such an extra dose of cruelty too, because I mean you don't know it at the time, but afterward you realize that this is her dad. So not only did he just lose his daughter, doesn't even realize it yet, but then he gets hit in the face with a snowball. Like I don't and know, it's just in adding insult to injury.
1: We never even yeah. give him the satisfaction at the end of knowing he's still yeah. just daughter's missing i mean and, but they the filmmaking it does such a great job there because you laugh at him throughout the way he's the stuck-up conservative in this wild sorority house he sees the posters on the wall he's got the drunken house mom giving him the tour and asking mm. for <laughs> rides to the store i mean it's just like jesus christ like you you laugh at it but then when you stop and you're like oh my god this poor guy we we know his daughter's dead and then when that ending hits it's like jesus christ man like like I said, I, I think the, I think the slasher genre learned a lot from Black Christmas, but I think they were also disturbed themselves and said, "Okay, I don't know if we really have the have the guts to do something that that ruthless again." <laughs> yeah. And
2: to jump off of that, just really quick, that kind of goes to his te- to Clark's technical merits and his great use of humor. I absolutely love the shot where he's on the phone. Fo- the dad is on the phone, and you get that you get that deep focus with Margot Kidder in the background giving the kid wine. So yeah, good. And, yeah, it's so freaking hilarious! Like that was you've the point in the no movie Santa where I'm like, "Holy crap, this is funny! This is a funny movie." <laughs> yeah.
1: You've got the drunken Santa Claus. I mean, you know, this as yeah. it, it, different as as wildly different as his career was. It all is so conjoined. I mean, you know, this is a Christmas story. There's so much, so many similarities between Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. From the use of lenses at the top of the Santa sled in Christmas mm. Story. I mean, you got great character actor. Uh, what's his name? Wes Carlton, who. You know, plays the phone operator trying to trace the calls in Black Christmas. He's also the Christmas tree salesman in uh, oh. Christmas Story. He's also he's also oh. Barry Ko- he's also Barry Kobax in Cronenberg's Videodrome, the guy whose face oh. erupts into a wildly spontaneous volcano of blood and gore. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Great Canadian actor, but I know he, I heard he was friends with Bob Clark, uh, so between, you know, another link between Black Christmas and Christmas Story. But tonally, you see a lot of the same lenses used. I mean, the, the, those lights at night, they're all very soft. I don't know if it's just the lensing they have or the film stock they shot on, but everything's very, just very soft and you feel at home. I mean, even the opening shot with with Black Christmas, this house, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah. It's got like a nice warm glow to it. Every, yeah.
1: everything. And so like the color palette inside, you have hardwood floors, you have deep greens, deep reds, those super psychedelic, like hot red and black curtains that I don't know if they make those anymore. If they do, I will gladly f-ing buy those.
2: They're beautiful.
1: <laughs> they're, they're just beautiful. They photograph beautifully. It's just, it's such a cozy house. Uh, but very low key. There's nothing that's bright and overly joyous, but it feels it feels like there's a fire crackling around you at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and like even, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the house at the very beginning, but the opening and closing shot of Black Christmas is almost the exact same mm-hmm. shot in yeah. a Christmas story. And like, I, I couldn't help but um, when I was watching Black Christmas this time, I couldn't help but expect there to be narration starting everything out <laughs> because I had very recently seen a Christmas story again, because, you know, it's Christmas. Um, Yeah, so, like, I just could not escape that feeling of just, like, being in that poor, downtrodden, lower middle class, middle class, I don't know, whatever they are, um, family in in a Christmas story, and then going completely to the opposite end of the spectrum, but still being that same sort of at-home, Christmassy feel. Like, I, I felt like one of the sorority girls was going to go home to, to spend time with her little brother ralphie like the, it just all has that same feel about it and well that's the thing too that makes it so tragic too is
2: like she was about to go home for the holidays too, yeah. like and a lot of the a lot of these students are about to go home like this is just like their last little little bit before it's time for the holidays and then this horrible tragedy happens like it just
1: and talk about a great time like a great place and time to make this movie happen on this night i mean i I really think Bob Clark has always been tapped into the the youth and the subculture, but he understands that, you know, okay, college is, you know, those final days, some people are there, some people aren't, some people have left, some people are staying for the holidays, some teachers are there, some teachers aren't, maybe there's a final or two going on, parents are coming, parents are going, you know, cops probably aren't expecting a whole lot. Like what a great little pocket of time to set a movie that can sort of add a, a sense of Believable confusion to the whole situation. Oh, she probably ran off with someone. Mm. Oh, maybe she already went home. You know, just no one really knows each other's schedules. Everyone's just trying to get the f- out of school. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, um, let's let's talk a little bit about the emotional. And I know we've uh, kind of done that already. But what did you think of it from an emotional standpoint? Um, and and again, like we've pretty much touched on all that. Just in terms of it is it, it's beautiful and disturbing and creepy um but uh but yeah like uh, thinking of it more from just the overall experience of watching it less from the uh like the the, um, the filmmaking standpoint and from the oh but you know did you think about this scene did you think about this and more of just like the casual viewer how'd you feel about it you know, what, what what do you think from emotional standpoint
1: i mean i feel for every single character in this movie it's it's one of the few movies i can think of another few movies i can ever think of that i care about every single kill i care about every single person that you meet whether you you know meet the girl for a scene and a half before she's killed in the attic and everything goes from there or it's you know uh, just there at the end like every single person uh, i feel for and it, it's it could be said that you know it's it's the women in this movie that get everything done i mean jesus christ every dude in this movie is about as useless as can be between the cops or the boyfriend or, I mean, I, I, give, you know, I give a lot to the dad for trying. He's definitely sort of being cor- corralled around through the circus of people. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's, it's really the women that get it done in this.
0: Yeah. Al- Although Jess doesn't listen and that was her downfall. If she had just listened when he said, just put the phone down and walk away. Then, oh, yeah. uh, ah, man that's that that so much. that goes back
2: to the spirit of christmas she was she's a very giving soul like she was trying <sighs> to save others that she that's that's what I, christmas is about i Nathan. know
0: it makes sense because i wasn't in the movie but from an outsider's perspective it's always like the no no you could don't go in there uh, yeah. but, i mean what what
1: a great character to have to deliver that message because you already know he's gonna f- it up yeah you're like oh jesus christ our, our fate of the film is rest in the hands of this cop that can't do his job
0: god yeah it, eric what about you how, how do you feel about the movie emotionally
2: i don't know i just watched it not too long ago so i'm still kind of reeling from everything that happened like i've just again really did not expect it to be so disturbing like those phone calls the way that they like i'm assuming they had to do some sort of post-production like they, they've they looped more than one voice over each other and just i don't even know how to explain it like it sounds inhuman in a way and it is so Oh, it totally sounds inhuman so disturbing um, and yeah like it's just it's a lot to take in as a movie and I, I feel like I need a little bit more time but uh, yeah I, and I also um, totally agree with everything that Eric said too like <laughs> you really do feel for all of these characters that's one problem that a lot of horror movies especially slasher movies have I think is that they make the characters like such assholes yeah and just like shitty people or whatever that you're kind of rooting for them to die and I think that's part of the fun of some horror movies because you want to see them die and you're I you can't wait to see like the grisly, crazy, gory way they're going to die. But in this movie, it's like, no, like, I don't want anything bad. Even somebody like Margot Kidder, who's like kind of belligerent, like, you still feel for her in a way. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just. It's a rough, That's, why, that's rough. why I'm telling you,
1: man, when the, the slasher craze mm-hmm. when it took off after this, like, you know, they took from this movie, but they only took just the basic premise of just knocking people off. I don't think anyone wanted to make a movie that was as relentless as this. I don't think mm-hmm. that anyone wanted to spend the time that it would take to write and develop a script that was this good for characters that you love so much. I really think, you know, and there's a lot of slashers after this film that I do enjoy, but by and large, I think we can all agree that there's not a whole lot of had a whole lot of work being put into character development. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, the seminal classic here, Black Christmas, it's, it's all of that. It, it, it put in, it put in equal amounts of work elsewhere as it did the horror. of It It
2: really is. And even for, um, the first person who gets killed off, like right there in the beginning of the movie, like you still get a really great sense of her character in the beginning. And then you learn even more about her as the film goes on. And it just makes you feel for her even more.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's one of the (laughs) things that was done so well is, you kill off someone early but you still need to care about them and Mm -hmm. so that's why you have the dad that's why you find out more about her so that you can sort of retroactively care even more um yeah my biggest emotional takeaway from it my background is psychology i wanted to know more about the killer like watching this it's like i (laughs) i need to know why did he turn out the way that he did but at the same time i don't ever want to know because that will ruin it you know
1: if you want to know more watch the 2006 remake which I've done I've done one time out of curiosity I would say look, I I would say do it one time it's not going to ruin this one okay you're going to laugh your ass off it's beautifully shot I mean it's 2006 everything was still being shot on celluloid Um, there's some great pieces of music throughout the house looks beautiful like the Christmas decorations look amazing the lighting is great It's just when it gets down to trying to really open up the uh, the Billy and Agnes backstory it's kind of it's just it, it, it's where it loses it for me I start, I start to laugh
2: quite well, a bit. and that's the thing too is it's like I don't understand how you can love Black Christmas enough to want to remake it and then fundamentally misunderstand why the film is so powerful yeah and want to like oh let's just learn more about these characters like I get wanting to know more. But at the same time, it's like that's what makes this movie so powerful is that you don't know. Well,
0: and like, you know, enough to know. Like, yeah. Yeah, obviously I know what happened, but I don't, you know, like it, it's just enough to get a very clear understanding. To... I mean, you're knowing
1: as much as Bob Clark wants you to know. Ultimately, the right. the, ultimately, one of those films is very much at the hands of the director letting you know This is as much as I'm going to
2: tell you. Yeah. And again, too, just like all the like the little things where he's talking about Agnes and putting like the doll in her arms and stuff. It's it's just like I don't I don't want to know what he's talking about because this just sounds like it's it's too much for me.
0: And I'm fairly certain that (laughs) the face of the doll was burned. I mean, it it could have just been like discolored a little bit, but I think that the face of the doll was burned. And... I think that, yeah, like that, that with everything else being so intentional that it had to play into what happened. But, you know, I like some of the fun of, oh, did this happen? Could it have been this? Was it this piece? Well, and it gives
2: you a lot of, like you said, a little little clues where you can kind of like try to piece together what happened if you really want to. But yeah, I I don't want to know. And I think that like if you try to explain too much, like in the remake or something, that just seems like a total... I, the, absolutely, the wrong move to make. I mean, it would be interesting to see. I think I'd, I kind of would like to see it, just to see how they kind of remix the first movie. But at the same time, like I don't, I think that's a bad idea.
0: Yeah, but but so to me, so much of the movie is the tone. You know, it would be like if someone remade a Christmas story. It's like just don't. You know, you might be able to make it look better. You might be able to get in some uh some cheaper laughs or do things that you couldn't have done when it was made, but a christmas story isn't about how it looks it's about that just overall tone and to me it's the same thing with black christmas like yeah you might be able to make a quote-unquote better movie but you're not going to get a better sense of of what is going on and i just i don't know i, I don't see how the remake could possibly stack up
1: i mean bob clark was a people's director he, he just understood how people think how people talk family dynamics he just he's a guy who you know I, I would have to assume that he just was very observant of life around him at all mm-hmm. times and really brought that um you know to the, to a great horror movie
0: yeah uh last thing that I'll say about the emotional black Christmas is not gonna scare you but it will creep you the hell out yeah like it, yeah. it you're not gonna 100%. be jumping you're not gonna be like oh my god ah! but at the end of it you're just gonna be like I'm i am I really going want to go take a shower go now. Go check every <laughs> single room yeah. with all of the lights on,
2: and uh, sure, maybe I wouldn't want to take a shower. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah. not immediately afterwards. That is the uh, most
0: vulnerable place to be. Yeah, <laughs> especially if your phone rings like as soon as the movie's over. That's it's going to disturb you a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right, how rewatchable is Black Christmas?
1: I mean, you don't have to ask me. You had, had me on this to talk about this. I mean, I, I watch it I, definitely Christmas time every year, but. Now that I have this Blu-ray, it'll be a movie that I watch more frequently throughout the year. And even with the DVD that I had, I would watch it throughout the year. It's it's a movie that was very um, influential to my film's intentions in a film that I know I watched a little bit sort of when I was writing. Um, just in terms of having, you know, independently um, a drama comedy and independently a horror film, I definitely look into Black Christmas because this film is just so beautifully two things at the same time that, in my opinion, work so well together and never distract from each other. Um, so it's it's very rewatchable for me and it's a movie that I would recommend to everyone. I've tried to get my mom to watch it. I've tried to get my dad to watch it. I mean, I've been back for Christmas. And, you know, they the, My family loves a Christmas story. It's always been on the TV. I, I grew up with that movie. It's one of the first movies I remember growing up with and I never knew who Bob Clark was, never really knew about his career. This is long before I ever thought about making movies. So learning that this like movie that was a part of my childhood is now you know directed by one of the guys that I, you know, admire so much um, as a director is, is I always recommend it. I was trying to tell my parents like, oh, you didn't know you used to make horror movies and you got to see this movie Black Christmas and before that death dream. It's uh, yeah, recommended to everyone, children from the age of two. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think once you're two years old, you're eligible to see Black Christmas. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, recommend it
0: to everyone. Th- Thankfully, I'm recording uh, your audio and our audio into two different mics. So all the things that you're saying, not going to be uh, distracted from <laughs> the phone ringing, which I'll call her back in a second. We'll wait. <clears throat> I'm going to wait for it to end till Eric jumps oh. in with his piece. <laughs> Uh, Eric, what about you? How rewatchable do you think it is? And go ahead and toss in the who you recommend it for. Yeah, it's super rewatchable.
2: I mean, I it's, it's one of those movies where as I was watching it this time, I'm just like, I can't believe I waited so long to see this because it is fantastic. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, I might even watch it again before the end of the current holiday season, I think, because like there's just I was so wrapped up in just the suspense of it all that I really want to rewatch it again to pay a little bit more attention to the craft that went into it. Um, and I don't know, like it's just, it's a fantastic movie. Definitely recommend it for pretty much any, any horror fan fan, maybe not horror fans at the age of two, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> maybe a little bit. How older. else are they
0: going to become horror fans? That's true.
2: Sh- we got to ease them into it a little bit. Maybe. No, I don't just know, throw them in. <laughs> just throw them into the deep end of the pool.
1: That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> I my children. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the only way they're going to turn out normal.
2: Yeah yeah that's that's true hey you know what from what i've from all the horror fans that i've met like all of the horror people i know are some of the most like well-adjusted like kind-hearted people i know so maybe maybe there's something to that
0: yeah it's because they actually face their fears and know how to not run away and hide they don't suppress everything they're like yeah like i don't know yeah uh I, i think the movie is also just insanely rewatchable um And even though it does have enough of the Christmas in it to definitely feel like a Christmas horror movie and not just a horror movie that happens to take place at Christmas, it's also not like so – the quality of the movie and why it works is not so ingrained in the Christmas – Christmassy – Christmases? What's the adjective form of Christmas? christmasy 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 sure it's not so tied up in that that you can only watch it during christmas you know like like with krampus (laughs) absolutely love it it is an insanely good christmas horror movie but i don't see myself ever watching krampus outside of the christmas season yeah black christmas even though christmas is in the title you really can watch it any time of the year and still uh and still get just as much enjoyment out of it and uh, that's a good point i totally agree Yeah, and I I recommend it for any horror fan and anyone who's a fan of, like, uh, dramas and and thrillers because, yeah, there's some swearing, um, but, like, there's not really that much blood or gore, Um, even though a lot of the content is very sexualized. Like, there's not anything, again, like I said towards the beginning, it's not titillating, so there's nothing about it that would be like, oh, no, I don't want this person to see blah. It's just again that very disturbing unsettling you're going to feel uneasy and you're going to want to shower after someone else is there to like make sure no one's hiding <laughs> the guard the, the door. Uh,
1: yeah, and the blood that you do see is, you know, taking another Italian key was like Home Depot red.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, it is <laughs> it is nail polish. nail polish out of the mouth red. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah. so like there's nothing about it that makes it like overly offensive in terms of people who might not be fans of horror but it is so
1: say
0: that's, that's like call. this opening phone call like man I was
2: pretty surprised at how
1: he tells you everything man he tells you exactly what you're getting into that's true. yeah, yeah. it's a great way. like that you know what you're getting into with black Christmas 10 minutes in exactly I, I
0: forgot to mention this uh, last thing um uh, about it that that I have at least during that phone call, when he's uh, just like, and like it's disturbing and weird and it's exactly gross. Sounds like it really is. But when he stops and just says, "I'm going to kill you," that oh, yeah. might be the most unsettling thing in the entire movie. Yeah, for it's me pretty chilling because yeah. he's so disturbed during the sexualized stuff, but when he says that he's going to kill her, his voice changes. He's calm, like it. It is just so much more intentional that it's like, oh wait yeah this dude might be very psychologically disturbed but yeah. he also knows exactly what he's doing and that might be the most unsettling thing about him.
2: yeah i completely Absolutely. agree
0: yeah i just needed to throw that in about the phone <laughs> call uh all right eric any final thoughts about uh black christmas or christmas horror or just christmas in general um you know the holiday greetings and all that fun stuff
1: yeah, it's it's a classic I don't know there's um, it's it's one of those movies where you know sometimes it can get tough to say something new that hasn't been said about it but this is a movie that I feel like is spoken about a lot but there's just people are constantly digging up new things there, there, there's just so much going on in the, the filmmaking and the subtext and the, the tone of it all it just it always feels like it's a, it's a gold mine of things to pick through I know just you know the couple times I've watched this new transfer now there's just been things i've picked up on all the way down to margot kidder's choker um i'm sure there's even i saw a cat in the background in the corner that never noticed was there just the, you know the, the claw of the cat hanging out mm-hmm. in a shot uh, yeah this is great highly recommended if you're a black christmas fan um pick up the blu-ray because it's a really good transfer
2: yeah, right. i definitely want to get i watched it on Shudder and the quality is still fine but man as i was watching it i was like this would look phenomenal on blu-ray yeah,
1: streaming is tough with the blacks, man. It's it's just, it's yeah. really hard. To, like all, all those crushed, like those deep shadows, can be pretty unforgiving with streaming sometimes. Depending what your internet provider,
2: yeah, that's is, exactly what it was
1: all that. But the Blu-ray is, is great. You know, it's a very low-key movie. There's a lot of darks, and uh, the attic never looked so great or so terrifying. So <laughs> <on this
0: Blu-ray. laughs> Cannot wait to see it on Blu-ray. Uh, all right, Eric. Again, thank you so so much for being a part of our Christmas spect adequate it's an okay episode it
1: was spectacular and i had a great time <laughs> no
0: <laughs> don't get their expectations <laughs> we're up <laughs> we're it's, going off brand it's spect adequate <laughs> <laughs>
1: well thanks uh, for having me guys like i said it was great meeting you guys in knoxville and uh i can talk about black christmas about any day and, <laughs> and thanks we, so much
2: for coming like i we really appreciate you doing this yeah really glad that you could make it out
1: <laughs> yeah hell yeah absolutely good luck with the rest of it